Hi, this is Nick Forster. This week in E-Town, we're going to revisit one of our favorite shows, and it starts right now. From E-Town Hall in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains, it's E-Town. With this week's guests from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Dead Horses. Our interview guest, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist and author Matt Richtel, and from Boulder, Colorado, Daniel Rodriguez. I'm Helen Forster. Right now, please welcome our host, Nick Forster. Thank you, Helen. Hello, everybody. Welcome to E-Town Hall, our uh, solar-powered musical uh, community center here in the middle of downtown Boulder. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being a part of this. It's good. It is good. This week, as Helen said, from Milwaukee, uh, we've got the band The Dead Horses with us. We have uh, a guest Pulitzer Prize winning journalist and author Matt Richtel is here to talk about one of his recent books that is all about our immune system. And it's called An Elegant Defense. I just finished it a while ago. It's a great book. But first, we've got a great local music story. Daniel Rodriguez moved from Connecticut to Colorado and then in 2006 joined up with a bunch of his friends, formed the band Elephant Revival. Um, They recorded five records together and they toured all over the place. They went on hiatus, I guess in 2018, and Daniel kind of launched his solo career. He has been doing great. He's been out opening shows for people like Josh Ritter and Mandolin Orange, and he opened up for the Lumineers on their European tour. So big stuff is happening. We're really happy he's here. Please welcome back to E-Town, Daniel Rodriguez. Synchronicity Playing the beats, yeah, you know where they're at I'm burning one down for Kerouac Autumn falls like a recurring dream And nature's bursting near at the scene The wind at her back, somewhere does it blow Playing like a mixtape 
Rodriguez, welcome to E-Town. Good to see you. Great to see you. Um, was there a moment ever after Elephant Revival kind of went on hiatus that you, you thought about doing something other than music? Were you like, oh, maybe I'll go... Flip some burgers or something. <laughs> like um, naturally, music became kind of a therapeutic bomb for me. So the music was kind of what took over. And um, immediately I went out on tour with a band called Fruition, which um, kind of distracted yeah. me from, you know, all that was going on with the hiatus and everything like that. And Did you already have a bunch of songs that you'd written and were thinking about that maybe didn't fit the Elephant Revival format? You know, over the years, I had written a bunch of songs that never got recorded with Elephant Revival. Yeah. And uh, I was always looking forward to trying those in different formats and... Uh, this kind of led to that. Although after the breakup, you know, there was a lot of material for me to write about. So yeah. I wrote a whole bunch of new songs that I didn't, yeah. I didn't even record all those old ones. You know, I think of you as being a, a, a sensitive writer and a writer of love songs and, and somebody who's, um, you know, got some tenderness in your musical presentation. I don't know if you have to change what you do when you go out on the road with the Lumineers and you're playing to, you know, thousands of people. Do you have to can you still be that sensitive guy or do you have to like step it up a little or something? You know, you learn pretty quickly as, as I know you have that nothing can be really forced with music or else it just, yeah. it, it just doesn't work and it doesn't feel good. So we just kind of had to learn how to play like who we are in front of four, 16 to 40,000 people. And, um, and you know, West, the lead singer from the Lumineers kind of fell in love with what we were doing. So, I didn't think that we needed to do anything different. Yeah. 
The good sign. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, I understand that there's a uh, nonprofit organization that you support. My girlfriend, Maddie, she's part of an organization called Wombs of the World. It's an organization where they travel abroad and invite a bunch of doulas. And they go to places like Tanzania where, you know, the mortality rate of infants is like one of the highest in the world. And uh, they go to places like Ecuador and they learn some of the innate wisdom of the birthing world there that's come to the ancestors. And we've done things like uh, raised money to buy a ultrasound machine to bring to uh, Tanzania. Wow. And uh, they delivered the ultrasound machine with a big manual on how to run it. And uh, there's these great pictures of like 40 people aligned out the door waiting to get their bellies you know, checked out. <laughs> wow. That's so cool that you found a way to use your notoriety and your, your recognition on behalf of something cool. Mm, well, you know, E-Town here is, is definitely a great example for all of us here in the music community around Boulder and, and you know, worldwide, because you guys are bringing in lots of people. So thank you thank, for that. Thanks, Daniel. Thank yeah. you, man. Listen, um, we've got more music to play. It's really fun to play your songs. Um, and for those of people who are just listening and maybe discovering you for the first time here this week, um, is there a website and people can just find Daniel? I know there's Daniel Rodriguez is also a boxer and Daniel Rodriguez is also a famous tenor singer. And, yeah. you know, so what's the advice you would give to people looking for the actual you? Well, yeah, you know, you know what I look like. No, uh, uh, <laughs> look for vast nothing. Daniel Rodriguez, vast nothing or sojourn of a burning sun. Yeah, those are album titles. Yeah, those are those are album titles. Yes, yeah. of course. And uh, there there are two other famous musicians named Daniel Rodriguez. I'm not saying I'm famous, but uh, there's the great tenor. Yeah, uh, from New York City, Puerto Rican tenor. Yeah, yeah. And then there's Daniel Rodriguez from Minneapolis, who's great. He's a he's a friend of mine now, but he wasn't at first when I first went solo. <laughs> <laughs> Cease and desist letter from a fellow musician. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, hey, man, it's my birth name. <laughs> well, listen, I know they can find you out there, so uh, be diligent if those, uh, those are discovering and, and want to learn more about where they can see you on tour and, and learn more about your music. But meanwhile, we got more to play here. Thanks for coming stopping by E-Town. Oh, I'm honored. Thank you. Yeah, let's welcome back Daniel Rodriguez. <laughs> this Daniel Rodriguez. Uh, here's a song called Dolores. Dolores, I come to you broken and bruised It's in your embrace I soak and I soothe The healing man, these wounds It's never too late, it's never too soon Dolores, I come to you This long and windy road I come to feel your forces at work I have to keep it all together I stop here in the silence of forever and Dolores I dream of you Like a ravenous child I come to you like a beggar in the night I come to you 
Daniel Rodriguez, along with Emma Rose and E. Jones. That's Bradley Morse on the bass, Christian Seal on the drums, Adam Bodine on the keys, Helen Forster singing. He'll be back, play some more music a little later on in the show. Your visit to E-Town is made possible in part by the Scientific and Cultural Facilities District, or SCFD, one of the largest cultural funding mechanisms in the United States, supporting nearly 300 organizations in the greater Denver area. As a reminder, for your viewing pleasure, there are over 2,000 videos on the E-Town YouTube channel, where you can also subscribe in order to stay up to date with our latest offerings. You're listening to E-Town. I'm Nick Forster. This is E-Town. Daniel Rodriguez is going to be back to play some more music later on the show. And coming up, the Dead Horses are here from Milwaukee. They are here also for their first visit. Um, before we bring them out, I want to tell you about a book I read recently. It's called An Elegant Defense. It sounds good. <laughs> it's a bestseller by a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist and author Matt Richtel. And it's the story of our immune system. It's filled with good science and amazing stories of discovery about the long journey to learn more about this incredible array of well-intended cells inside all of us. Please welcome the author, reporter for the New York Times, Boulder native, Matt Rechtel. Matt. 
Um, you know, one of the things early on in your book, you talk about people sometimes refer to the immune system in military terms, like this is yep. a battle that's waged inside our bodies and these, you know, frontline warriors go out there and assassins and all this stuff. Yep. But then you kind of rephrased it and reformed it to say that it's really more like a peacekeeping force. So tell us what that's all about. Yeah, I, well, I won't be a downer with talking about COVID, but I, I do want to tell you guys how COVID is an immune system story. And I, in many ways, owing to the question that you ask, I tend to think of the immune system as the love child of a bouncer and a ballet dancer. It is very delicately trying to identify intruders and then attack them with precision without doing collateral damage. Yeah. So it's sort of like if you're having a spectacular party and you've hired a security firm that is somehow intuitively going to know who's invited and who's crashing. Yes. And it's going to discreetly remove the crashers without screwing up the party. And millions and millions of years of evolution have given us these tools that are incredibly precise and able to discern that. And then along comes COVID, as you know, was, is often called the novel coronavirus. It is novel to the immune system. So all this wiring and learning and adaptation ill-prepared our bodies. Yeah. That's why I say that story was and continues to be an immune system story at its yeah. core. You know, for me, just trying to grasp the idea that there are so many different cells that have specific jobs yeah. and they communicate with each other very rapidly yes. and very efficiently. Um, so maybe just describe what happens. Um, I had a cut on my wrist. And so tell our listeners what happens when you get a cut. Among the many, many things I learn is there are effectively two immune systems. There's an innate immune system. So when any of you get a cut, there is a kind of emergency services response inside your body, fire and police. And these are generic responders that rush to the scene to try to contain the damage. One of the interesting bits of trivia I learned in this is when you ever get a cut and the cut is say a small area, but then later on, it looks like the cut, the damage was larger than that. Have you ever had that mm -hmm. experience? Like you get a bigger scar. That's because that innate immune system is actually getting rid of a, a concentric circle or a larger space around your cut. There is an adaptive immune response, which is nothing less than extraordinary. The innate immune response is extraordinary, but the adaptive are these B cells and T cells that bring precision killers, and they take a number of days to respond. Have you ever, do you guys know the stock doctor phrase, you're gonna feel rotten seven to 10 days. That is born of the adaptive immune response because that's the amount of time it takes for these precision cells to recognize what's inside the foreign body, develop a foe and manufacture it. Mm -hmm. So it's T cells and B cells and they're out assessing the situation. They are tapping the millions of years of evolutionary wisdom that helps them recognize what's foreign and what's okay. And one of the things that I also learned in your book is that cancer is particularly insidious because it somehow fakes those cells out yes. into thinking that it belongs there and actually they should help them. What the reason that cancer often succeeds is because it sends a signal to the immune cells saying, don't worry about me, I'm normal tissue. And in fact, so insidious can cancer be 
that it can actually co-opt the immune cells to help build itself. Right. What immunotherapy does is it sends a signal back. It, it effectively tells the immune system, hey, go do what you're meant to. And that's what this inflection point we find ourselves yeah. in with immunotherapy. Yeah. Interestingly, another thing that, that came out in your book is that, um, for example, right now we're seeing a big influx in cases of flu. Yes. And one of the reasons for that influx is apparently the fact that we've been so careful for the yeah. last few years, wearing masks, washing our hands, and we have tamped down our immune system's response mechanism. Is that right? It, it's a theory that I buy. Yeah. Um, I don't think we can know, no, yeah. but I think it's fair to say that the immune system learns and it regularly learns. Take preschool and kindergarten. That is, you know, your kids are always getting sick and they're getting you sick, but more so they are getting sick and their immune systems are training and learning. And for a period of years and for quite good reason, we wore masks because the threat was so profound. Yeah it minimized the amount of contact we had with germs. We are in a regular dance in which our immune systems are taking that input in and generating an immune response. As an aside, yeah. that's not too far of an aside, all that antibacterial soap and the antibacterial goop we used for years was challenging us in training our immune systems as much as it was giving us um, sort of a sense of relief. You know, I wish we had more time, but you do mention Dr. Fauci, he, he figures kind of prominently in your book. And, uh, and now, of course, he's in the crosshairs from you know, Elon Musk and Bobby Kennedy and others are saying, you know, Dr. Fauci is either overreacting or he's in bed with the pharmaceutical companies or he missed the opportunity to have palliative care in the early stages of the pandemic and blah, blah, blah. Um, I, I'll say this. I got to spend a year with Fauci before he was the Fauci. I've rarely come across someone who is so thoughtful about so many difficult issues and I think looking back, it's easy to do a lot of second guessing. I think they gave the best information that they had at the time. Um, I, I began by saying COVID was an immune system story. We have learned so much. It's hard to recognize how nervous we were with a virus that not only was novel, and in another conversation maybe we can talk about it, but attacked the lungs, which are the hardest part of the body for the immune system to defend. Air has to come in and out. And so the immune system has a very hard choice to make about whether to react and how strongly hmm. it puts at risk breathing. Remember the, the dynamic we began this conversation with was how powerfully should you react? So in fairness to the, all those who were on the front lines initially, this was novel and attacking the most delicate part mm -hmm. of the body for the immune system to defend. Yeah. And I think 2020 hindsight's nice. It was a tough, it was a really yeah, tough spot. Totally. And then there's more in the book that deals with when the immune system response is overheated and that becomes, you know, drifts into autoimmune disease and other things. So there's, there's a lot to learn, folks. And, and I found it very instructive and I learned a lot. And I, was, I, I came away just uh, with a sense of wonder at the miracle that is every breath. And so that was a gift that I got from your book. Um, I want to just ask you now, at this stage in you and your family's life, where are you with your COVIDness at the moment? It would not surprise me if prior coronaviruses became versions of the common cold. So I think we're beginning to make peace with it. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to get used to disease again in our lives, and we're going to treat it with respect. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. <laughs> I really appreciate it. 
Matt Richtel, author, reporter for the New York Times, Boulder native. The book is called An Elegant Defense. We have more music coming up from Daniel Rodriguez in a little while. Right now, I'm going to tell you about our next guest. Dead Horses are a Milwaukee-based duo made up of singer and songwriter Sarah Vos and upright bassist Daniel Wolf. Um, They met in college. They joined forces in 2010. Sometimes there are more than just the two of them, and this week, that is the case. They brought along Jamie Gallagher on percussion. Uh, They have a great story from the land of the Great Lakes, and um, we're glad they made it all the way to E-Town Hall. Please help me welcome to E-Town for their first visit, Dead Horses.
Dead Horses. Sarah Voss, Thank welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to ask you about the band name. Can we talk about immune systems? <laughs> we can. We I could. I thought that was awesome. Okay. Um, I want to ask you about, it's funny because we talked briefly uh, before, the, before the show about you having dial-up internet and downloading. Uh, <laughs> not now. Yeah. Back in the day. Back in middle school. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about um, just kind of musical influences from really early on. And I grew up in the church, so... Yeah. So you sang probably all the time. Yep. One of the best gifts that that gave me was music was just integrated in everything that we did. Uh, morning, noon, and night, you yeah. know, we sang all the time. I learned how to sing harmony because I sat next to my mom in church, and she always sang alto because... Dude, those Lutheran hymns, they're, they're pitched so, it's so high. <laughs> Who can know. sing that? I don't, no, know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I think we have to touch on this story just a little bit, if it's sure. okay with you. Absolutely, yeah. Because growing up in the church family, your dad was actually the pastor of the church, That's and right. you were deeply ingrained. You lived in the parishioner's house. And, That's right. And then because of your medical issues in your family, your dad was expelled. Your family was expelled from the church. And yes. you were suddenly like out in the real world without a community. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I think that the last thing that you said there without a community, that kind of hits it on the head because growing up in the church the way that I did, I lived right next door to the church. Like going to church on Sundays was walking next door. And I went to parochial school too. So this is, this is Lutheran in Wisconsin. If anyone's like Midwestern, you'll understand that. So many Midwesterners in Colorado. I love it. Um, but it was, it was our whole world. You know, and, and my mom's dad was a pastor as well, and it was everything. And there's a lot of politics in church, and as there are in many other things. And so there were a lot of different things that played a part yeah. in them asking us to, or telling us to leave. Yeah. Um, I have an older brother with mental illness. He's been diagnosed with schizophrenia. At the time, he hadn't been yet. We just couldn't really figure out what was going on. And we we're dealing with lots of stuff. I mean, there were times where my parents called the cops to our house, and... You're living next door to the church. The church, you know, they don't yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, it's not a good look. <laughs> no, it's not a good look. Um, were you playing guitar and writing songs Hell already? Yeah. Or, yeah. And you met uh, Daniel in college, right? Right after college, um, yep, he was living in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, which is where I grew up. Nice, Oshkosh Bagash. Oshkosh Bagash, yeah. Um, and he was playing music with these two brothers that I had met in high school. And I came back to Oshkosh, ran into one of them. I was in like a tough spot in my life. Uh, were, you, were you a wild college kid? No, I was not. A lot of church, I was a church wild kids post college kids. Post college kids. Kid. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I know we call we call ourselves PKs, pastors' kids, because yeah, we are pretty wild. Yeah. We usually do become. But but Daniel gave you something, some vision of a musical partnership that could make sense for you, and you could you could play gigs and. Absolutely, yeah. I was really struggling in that time of my life, um, early 20s, not really sure what I felt comfortable doing at all. And when I with got... Your, with your identity or with substance abuse? Everything. Or with, yeah. Identity, sexual identity was a huge part of it. Um, growing up, you know, it was not okay to be gay. Like, that is worthy of hell, literally. And that was part of what kind of caused me to be in the place that I was. Mm. I, had, I had my first, like, true experience with another woman, and I had just a mental breakdown because of it. Even though I didn't think, I knew, I knew in my heart that it wasn't wrong, 
but like all the things that I had been taught growing up. Um, but it's, I, it's cool hearing that story just because, you know, Daniel was talking about how breaking up with, uh, you know, Elephant Revival breaking up was great fodder for songwriting. Yeah. Here. Yeah. I mean, you can write about anything, but yeah, there are certain things that it, it helps to, to work your way through yeah. what you're dealing with through any type of expression, whether it's writing songs or painting or telling jokes or writing anything. Speaking of immune systems, we talked about the interruption that COVID gave all of us. And in your case, it was a big full stop. You had a tour yep. booked, you had to cancel it. You had to take a day job at a grocery store. I did. I loved it. Yeah, I was going to say, I was, you know, playing music is a service gig, really. Like you're on stage, but you're delivering a service to an audience. And I can imagine that being in a grocery store, there's some skills you picked up from touring that probably played into that. Absolutely. Um, I worked with people who felt like what they did didn't matter. And I disagreed with them full stop because grocery store workers are providing one of the most intimate things that we do as humans. It's what you eat. You know, that matters a lot. Like you can find meaning in so many things and you can also be doing meaningful things and not see the meaning in it. And, and I, I think that's a, that's a great lesson. Yeah, no. I love it. yeah. Nice job. And I think, um, well, listen, I think it's already been an incredible journey and you're, what, in your mid-30s or something now. So yeah. congratulations. You guys Thank have you. a lot in front of you. Let's, um, let's play some more music. Yeah. Absolutely. Welcome back to E-Town. Sarah Voss, Dead Horses. Thank Jamie you. and Daniel. This song is just a reminder to everybody out there when you feel like you're, you have some shortcomings or you're, you're not being the person that you want to be or you're not good enough at something, you are good enough at it and you are exactly who you need to be. And that's the name of the song. It's called You Are Who You Need to Be.
Adam back here on keys, part of the E-Tones. You've been seeing him play all night, and I hope you're enjoying it as much as I am, and as much as we are. It's awesome to be here. Thank you for being here.
That's Sarah Voss on the guitar and vocalist Daniel Wolf on the bass, Jamie Gallagher on the drums and percussion. The latest record is called Brady Street from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Dead Horses. This portion of E-Town is made possible by the Bohemian Foundation, building stronger communities through the Bohemian qualities of creativity and imagination. On the web at bohemianfoundation.org. If you happen to tune in late and you've missed some of this week's program, the E-Town podcast will have this episode and others, along with content from past shows as well. It'll be available for free in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, and other podcast directories. And if you're curious about E-Town's home base, E-Town Hall, our beautiful solar-powered music venue, community center, and recording studio located in downtown Boulder, Colorado, you can learn more about it on our website, etown.org. You're listening to E-Town.
I'm Nick Forster. I'd like to say hello to our listeners who are hearing E-Town right now on stations like KEOS in Bryan, Texas, on WUWM in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and on KRFC in Fort Collins, Colorado. As always, if you want some more information about any of the things we're up to here at E-Town, lots of stuff is online at etown.org. You can find out about how to get tickets to live shows. You can also find links to our great videos, or you can even go to YouTube and subscribe to our video channel, if you so choose. Right now, would you help me please welcome back to the stage, Daniel Rodriguez. on the walls of forever You walked around waking up the dead The story always begins behind a curtain Where the stars fall in a bottomless sky The vast nothing you thought of something And put the stars right there in your eyes if you're not afraid of falling So when you fall, don't be afraid at all well, You can live, but you know you're gonna be dying So when you give, you gotta give your all on the plaza There's suffering in every living room There's belly laughs out there on the fringes There's a little child standing up at the moon As she grows so fast they have to take pictures But she'll remember only the things that will last all the trials, the triumphs and tribulations All the failures, the lovers and the laughs Oh, you can fly if you're not afraid of falling So when you fall, don't be afraid at all Oh, you can live, but you know you're gonna be dying So when you give, you gotta give your all side of the window There's miracles everywhere you look 
There's a band somewhere playing hallelujah There's a poet writing in a book There's a couple in their bedroom discussing All the things that could be hard to say You're either a deer in the headlights Or you're the light in the dark all the way Oh, you can fly if you're not afraid of falling So when you fall, don't be afraid at all And you can live, but you know you're gonna be dying So when you give, you gotta give your all A thousand soldiers on a river bank The queen bee forgot her ranks Abandoned cars and broken jars The stranded minds of movie stars And food lines that go so far you can't see the end cigarettes and telling jokes that might be too soon sculptures in the wreckage pianos in the mud we stood there watching as the flames went up but all I could think of was you
off parade with the silhouettes of what remains of man's futile dreams. Now there's sparks and now there's flames. Before you, it was just the rain. Before you, it was just the name I heard. A million stars shining down. Rodriguez, along with Emma Rose and the E-Tones, Bradley Morse, Christian Teal, Adam Bodine, Helen Forster. His record is called Vast Nothing. <laughs> We've got time for one more song. I want to invite all our guests out and uh, help us close out this show. Uh, a special thanks to Matt Richtel, our guest, the New York Times reporter and author, helping us understand the intricacies and beauty of our immune system. And he's also musical, so he's here and he's gonna participate in our finale. I want to say a special thanks also to Dead Horses, Sarah Voss, along with Daniel Wolf, Jamie Gallagher. Thanks to uh, the E-Tones and Emma Rose. Thanks to Helen Forster. Thanks to Daniel Rodriguez. Thanks to our cast and crew engineers and volunteers. This definitely has a sing-along part. I'm Nick Forster. Hope you can be with us next week right here in E-Town.
This is a production of E-Town.